the year. This is the year of getting it together and doing what you do best. Hustling, taking care of business, and taking care of your community. Join us for JMT Media's podcast, where we interview everyone from the community to small businesses to elected officials who are changing policy that matters for our community. Good morning, everyone. This is Jacqueline Tecarante from JMT Media. Welcome to our kind of 2.0, our version 2.0 of our community corner. Um, We decided over the past few months because we had well over 130,000 views and we were able to contribute to Stay Calm, a new book that just hit bestseller on Amazon. And so we decided that we wanted to take this content and expand it even further to a larger audience. So although it's a different platform, it's going to be also on podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, but I really wanted our very first guest for our podcast um, to join us. Now, this woman is amazing, y'all. So for those of you that are driving, um, hopefully you're staying safe during this snowstorm tomorrow and you're listening on the podcast. Um, Senator Diane Savino has passed numerous, numerous bills. Um, She's a huge advocate for small businesses, um, for minority women business, enterprise certificate businesses. And she's just a major community advocate and really understands the needle and how to push it forward. And so I want to introduce and bring on our first guest for our JMT Media podcast, the Senator, the incomparable, the amazing, and the fearless Senator Diane Savino. Hi, Diane. Hi, Jacqueline. Thanks for that lovely introduction. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm hoping that the folks that are watching this, because we're doing two things simultaneously, you get to watch it and you get to hear the audio. And so for those of you that get to watch it, today is Tuesday. So we're recording this um, before the snowstorm. That's the impending snowstorm that's going to happen tomorrow. So I appreciate Mm -hmm. you, Senator, joining us because I know you're a busy woman. Um, So we're just going to get straight to it because there's a lot of things that have happened since COVID first initially happened in March, right? March 12th, March 13th, the, the world was starting to shut down. Staten Island was starting to shut down. And over the summertime and the months, your office really has been a true champion and leader in supporting small businesses and minority women business owners. And recently, and when I say recently, I'm talking like in the past 10 days, you, along with Assemblyman uh, Michael Cusick, put together three specific um, bills that y'all are presenting. So I want to give you the opportunity to talk specifically about them. Um, so take it away, Diane. Well, first of all, thank you, Jacqueline, for having me on to talk to uh, people. You know, it's it seems like this pandemic is never ending. Uh, when it started back in March, uh, no one could have imagined the state of New York shutting, studying, shutting the state down and what that would entail. We didn't know what we were facing. We didn't know how long it was going to go on for. We didn't know uh, what 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 we could expect. And you know, here we are nine months later, 300,000 people are dead in you know, the United States. Uh, we, we thought that we had kind of uh, flattened the curve and we were on the right path. And now all of a sudden it looks like you know, the numbers are rising and unfortunately they're rising at a rapid rate. Uh, our hospitals are, are becoming overwhelmed again. 
Um, and there's a million reasons why, and I don't want to get into too much of that, but it's very clear that uh, if we don't get a handle on what's happening, we could easily double the number of people who will fall victim to the coronavirus. Hope is uh, on the horizon, though. The vaccines are here. First ones were distributed yesterday in New York State. Uh, I can't wait to get one myself, but I'm pretty sure I'm pretty low down on the totem pole. I'm, I mean, I don't think I'm an essential worker. I might think I'm important, but I'm certainly not more important than, you know, our, our essential workforce. But uh, there is one uh, one challenge, though, that is ever present, and that is for the small business community and for particularly the hospitality industry. And I don't just mean restaurants. Restaurants are the public facing portion of the hospitality industry. Hospitality industry is everything from farmers upstate New York to the Hunts Point Distribution Center to the Teamsters who deliver food and beverages and soft drinks and liquor to the liquor industry to the hotel industry to you name it. It's a huge and I hate to use the term food chain, but it is a, it is an enormous food chain, and they are suffering, uh, and largely because they've had to adapt to a million different directives coming from the government saying. In order to stay open, you have to do this, or you have to do that, or you have to you have to uh, you know accommodate this or that, and then ask their customers to do the same. And you know, customers are not always cooperative. Yeah. And sometimes they don't want to follow the rules, and they place some of the business owners, you know, at risk for being fined and violated. And I think, you know, as we see the new shutdown looming, uh, because we saw the numbers rising, it became very clear that the the plan that New York State had, which was waiting for relief from Washington, was unfortunately uh, too little too late and insufficient. We need to do something here. While we wait for the Biden administration, the incoming Biden, Biden administration, or the outgoing Trump administration, I don't care who does it, to send money to the state to help with you know, our restaurant, hospitality industry, and other small businesses, we also need to act on their behalf. And we weren't seeing that kind of leadership coming from from Albany. And so Assemblyman Cusick and I started working on uh, some legislation looking at who has who has not really felt the economic impact of COVID. And quite honestly, it's been the insurance industry. And so we started looking at that. Um, and if you talk to a lot of the small businesses, the restaurants, the bars, the taverns, the you know, they'll tell you that they, as wise business owners, they all purchased business interruption insurance especially after Hurricane Sandy, they knew that you need to have that. Uh, and they found that those policies that they carry are essentially worthless. No one would pay out on them. Yeah. I mean, honestly, even myself as a small business, you know, one of the first things that we did, we were constantly putting out real-time data and we had our insurance, but they were telling us the insurance company, like, it doesn't, it doesn't pay out, Jacqueline. Sorry. It doesn't, you know, COVID, mm -hmm or these global pandemics are not covered under the insurance. And so that certainly puts us in a bind and we had to pivot and start producing other things um, mm -hmm. to position ourselves. But, you know, I find it really fascinating and innovative that you focused on, you and um, Assemblyman Mike Cusick focused on the insurance and policies, like really understanding like, okay, let's take it back to brass taxes. Like where are we from the beginning? So I find it incredible that, that you were able to start looking at that as an opportunity for small businesses and being like, okay, let me expand on that. So speaking of expanding on it, I mean, the Staten Island advance three, I'm sorry, less than two weeks ago, 
um, pushed out an article and we'll make sure that we drop the link below. Um, and this was in particular to, in reference in particular to three different um, relief funds. The first was the hospitality relief fund. So talk to us about that. So again, going back to most of the, most of the business owners had purchased hospital uh, business interruption insurance, found that they couldn't access any of the benefits because policies didn't cover pandemics or the policy said, uh, in order to qualify, there had to be, a, you know, your business had to be structurally affected. There's actually um, legislation pending in Albany that would force the insurers to pay out these claims. That's one way of approaching it. There are some potential legal issues or that we believe that that bill could lead to extensive litigation. So I don't want to go down that road. I want to come up with something that will provide real relief. So again, we go back to who's made a lot of money on this. Well, the insurance industries, they out pretty well. So we are introducing um, legislation that would require uh, the state Department of Financial Services and the superintendent working with these same commercial general liability carriers to create a hospitality relief fund uh, where they would contribute to a fund to ensure that businesses here in New York State that have not been able to access them could access funds, this fund, and be able to replace some of their lost revenue. They would be obviously standard set up. They would have to show deliverables. They would have to be proof that there was, you know, financial losses. Uh, and we would, you know, we would have that money set aside. The other thing is, uh, again, these same carriers, they have sold policies to these businesses. They cannot access them. Many of these businesses have been closed down for the better part of a year. So we're, we're um, demanding that there be the creation of a hospitality business relief insurance credit for the businesses with a commercial general liability policy in 2020, because they didn't operate for up to 75% of the yeah. year that the insurance covered them, insurers ex took on no risk. So they should credit back a percentage of the policies to those very same customers. Now we could decide, is it all in one lump sum? Could it be a percentage Amen. each year? Could it be a reduction in their premiums? So those are the things that we're working on. But um, if you speak to a lot of restaurant owners and tavern owners, one of the biggest things hanging over their head right now is fines and penalties and violations from the state liquor authority. Oh, we're, we're hearing it left and right from $1,500 for one employee. If you don't follow through up to $10,000, even up to 30,000 with liquor licenses removed. I mean, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of, it's not monopoly money. This is real hard working money it is it and it's money that you don't have to reinvest in your business it's money that you don't have on hand to pay your own bills it's money you don't have most importantly to pay your employees uh, and quite honestly um that's something that we can do directly so we already have that bills drafted um when i get off the phone when i get off the, the call with you i'm going to uh, proofread it before we file it uh, that's going to create an amnesty program with the state liquor authority. And we're not talking about bad actors. We're not talking about people who have deliberately, willfully violated the terms of their liquor license, who opened up and had karaoke parties. Yeah. We're not talking about people who said, COVID isn't real, come in. No, we're talking about hardworking, you know, restaurants and tavern owners and catering halls who, who couldn't keep up with the changing rules from, from the yeah. state. Or more importantly, who are being blamed for the behavior of their customers. You know, when you have customers who refuse to wear the mask, when you have customers, you know, who think that the pandemic isn't real and don't want to follow the rules, you shouldn't be penalized for that. So uh, we think it's important that we find a pathway for 
law-abiding businesses who have just struggled immensely in this crisis to be able to cure their violations so that they can keep their business and keep their liquor license. Absolutely. So let me ask you a couple of questions, um, Senator. How long is this going to take or do you think it'll take to, to pass, to present it, to pass it, and then to enforce it? Um, because I'm sure as people are watching this, they're like, this sounds great. How long is it going to take? Like, is it going to take a year? Because I know even with me passing and working with city council member Debbie Rose, it took almost two years for a piece of a tiny piece of legislation to pass. Um, but so talk to us about like timelines. How does that work? Well, all bills are not the same, right? You know, when, when you have something that affects um, tens of thousands of people and more importantly affects the state's bottom line, we tend to move a little quicker in Albany. And what do I mean by that? You know, for every business that's closed, that's less tax revenue the state is collecting. So we need we need bis we need a thriving economy. We are not going to solve our budget crisis in Albany or in City Hall by simply taxing rich people. I have colleagues who you know that's their answer to everything. Uh, you know, tax policy is certainly an important discussion that needs to be had. But unless we get people get people's business back up and running, unless we create new economies, unless we find ways to grow the economy we have, we are not going to be able to pay our bills. And when Albany can't pay its bills, that means there's service reductions for all of our constituents. Nobody wants to see that. That means your garbage doesn't get picked up. That means your streets are not safe. That means your hospitals are underfunded. That means your, you know, your schools are underfunded. None of us want to see that happen. So we need a thriving economic um, environment. And whether we like it or not, our biggest industry in this state is, wait for it, agriculture. Second what? biggest. Yeah, absolutely. We're a farming state. All we right. Give me some potatoes. <laughs> Second biggest industry in New York state is tourism. We cannot have a thriving tourism industry. People are not going to come to New York if we don't have a thriving restaurant and hospitality industry. If our hotels are closed, no one's coming. If Broadway isn't here, no one's coming. If there's nowhere to eat in New York, no one's coming to New York. No one's coming to shop at the Empire Outlets. That's if there's right. nowhere to get a hot dog and nowhere to get a beer. So it's in our interest to move quickly Absolutely. to make sure that we stabilize things and get people back to work. I love that you say that because just yesterday I was invited to the New York and Company. Um, they had a tourism webinar to talk about domestic and international. Mm -hmm. And some of the numbers were staggering, but in, at the same, it's almost like the same thing, even for JMT media, when the pandemic first hit, we had 30% drop of clients, but then we had 70% of our other clients were like, we need more video. We need more social media, more content. And it's almost the exact same thing that we're seeing in the analytics for domestic and international. So although international tourism is down, the domestic tourism is going up. So um, I'm confident that with these three bills and with you leading the charge with Mike Music, that um, this will help propel us. But as we close out the segment, because we try to keep it, you know, straight, nitty gritty to the point, Diane, you are so passionate about, and it's not even really politics, it's really about the people in the community. What started your your passion about helping people um, 
For those of you that are tuning in to our podcast, if you don't know, we are here with Senator Diane Savino. And I know you were a caseworker, a social worker, correct? Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think it's really important for people to understand like where your passion lies. Because I don't think I've ever met um, another elected official, um, especially a female, that is so passionate and I'm just like, I want to be like her when I grow up. I mean, not really like you, but you know what I mean. Um, so, I mean, I think, I think life uh, kind of takes all of us in different directions, right? Um, I never thought I'd be a Senator. Uh, it's not, I never thought I'd run for office, right? I, I kind of backed my way into it. I think most female elected officials, I always say we're accidental politicians, but one thing that is, Consistent in a lot of female elected officials, we come out of either social services or education or uh, or where accidental activists. You see, you know, women who've suffered an unspeakable tragedy in their life and it encourages them to get involved to change policy. So I started out as a caseworker. I worked in the child welfare system uh, and I became a union activist. But my first job, honestly, was in the restaurant business. My first job was a waitress and I was 15. Uh, and I spent 17 years working in the restaurant business in every aspect. I, I've, and I always say I was happier there. I made more money there than I do now. Um, <laughs> I learned everything there was to know from working in a coffee shop, behind a counter, a short order cook, bartended, cocktail waitress, you know, hostess. Um, I love that business. Um, and I know how hard people work in it. And I know how hard it is to get up every morning and be there at you know five o'clock in the morning to open the door and work until 10 o'clock at night sometimes or to work till two in the morning. Um, but I, I think you, know, you have to be passionate to do, to, if, you, if you wanna be successful at anything in life, I think you have to have a certain amount of passion for it. And so whether you're you know, slinging hash in a diner or you're you know, talking crap in the legislature, <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's who I am. And, you know, I try and be, I try, I try and remember that my responsibility is to, uh, is to try and fight the fight for people who can't fight the fight for themselves. Well, I certainly um, appreciate the sentiments and the transparency because it's, it's hard. And, you know, for all elected officials right now, like certainly they want to help small businesses. They want to help families. But some of them, you know, I'm learning and speaking with them privately behind closed doors. They're like, my hands are tied because this has to get passed through or this is the process. And so I'm glad to see that you're leading the charge in refining that process to move things along to help small businesses. So um, for those of you that are tuning in, you can catch the entire interview with Senator Diane Savino on JMT Media Podcast. And again, thank you so much, Senator Diane Savino. You are a force to be reckoned with, and I appreciate you taking the time to talk to this small business owner about small business support. Thank you so much. You have a great one. You too. Great to see you, Jacqueline.